freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode 119 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. Oh, that's right. Hi, Cheryl. (laughs) Hey, Dan. I'm the other guy. What's your name? This is Dan. (laughs) We got a great show today. And, you know, I'm just wondering where you got this theme from. But the theme today is we don't need no thought control. Well, Mm. you say it way cooler than I do. And so um, I'm going to pause for just a second so I don't have to piggyback right on there. And just tell folks that we are recording quite early this time. We are in the studio on Wednesday, July 11th. This show won't air until Saturday, July 21st. And so if some big news event happens between now and then, we're not ignoring it. It just hasn't happened yet. All right. So as Dan said... Our theme today is we don't need no thought control. Now, I'm not nearly cool enough to do that famous lyric justice, but if I was cooler, it would sound as ominous as it did when the rock group Pink Floyd growled it as a warning to not give up our psyches to whatever is popular at the moment. Why I bring this up is that I'm wondering, what happened to our rock stars, our rebels, and the voice of those who would encourage us to be distinct and unique individuals? When I was growing up, the people who pushed the boundaries on convention were the musicians. They were the nonconformists, the rebels, the ones who dared us to be independent-minded and free from mindlessly walking in lockstep with what others told us to do. The lyrics are from the song, The Wall, and I may be taking a bit of license in how I am interpreting the lyrics, but poetry and art are like beauty, and those things impact each of us differently. When I hear the words, we don't need thought control, I hear a rebuke to those who would attempt to dumb us down into submission. And the singer literally screams at one point in protection of young minds against indoctrination, saying, hey, teachers, leave the kids alone. Again, I know that is the most uncool reciting of that song you're ever going to hear, but bear with me. For many years, I didn't understand the implications of this song, but nowadays, all one needs to do is to look at what is happening on our high school and college campuses and the politically charged nature of the instructors themselves to see why someone would write lyrics of this kind. All of the recent high school anti-gun walkouts are a perfect example of our taxpayer-funded public schools taking a political and indoctrinating position with no countervoice in sight. We paid for that, by the way, all of those man hours, all of that time kids spent outside of the classroom You and I paid for someone to fill our kids' young minds with a polarized view of a politically charged issue. Now, had they offered an equally impactful experience with the other side of the issue, I would have respected that effort. Had they prepared the students with a rich lesson plan about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all of the reasons why we have these documents, which 
were to act as a firewall against people who would trample our human and civil rights, then, perhaps, it would have been a lively and thought-provoking moment. But, as it played out, it was indeed an attempt at thought control. Charge the students up with emotion. Feed them one side of an issue. Give them no reference point for why we even have our rights and tell them to demand that we have too many rights and can't be trusted with those rights and we need daddy government to take those rights back. That is manipulation and propaganda. That is thought control. At the college level, it may even be worse. A personal friend of mine, Antonia Okafor, the founder of Empowered, has been fighting for conservative voices and campus carry to help college students not be disarmed just because they cross an imaginary line from the street where here in Arizona we have constitutional carry onto supposed gun-free zones of campuses. The Constitution suddenly doesn't exist on the grounds of the institutions of higher learning. Now, those of you who want to think of college students as kids, I have two things to say to you. One is that because of the wisdom of a loud group of high school kids, we seem to be ready to rip up our Constitution. And second, the average age of people on college campuses is far beyond the legal age to own and possess firearms. I myself didn't even start college until I was 25 years old, and a recent U.S. News article stated that most college students are 25 and older. Charlie Kirk, founder of Turning Point USA, is another person who is doing what he can to try to help free people from thought control. He is starting chapters at colleges all over the country to offer students opportunities to have a more balanced view of the freedoms that America was founded on. So while I just mentioned that college students are in their 20s, we might think these people are old enough to make up their own minds about constitutional issues. Many of them were never even exposed to such topics and to world history in their younger years. They have been steeped for their entire educational career in one ideology, which leans toward hating America, having no concept of historical events, and hearing ad nauseum that guns are bad. If it weren't for people like Antonia and Charlie, who are touching thousands of lives through their nonprofit organization, thought control would have few challengers. Friends, silence in the face of thought control, manipulation, and propaganda is not only complacent, it is complicit. So to answer my own question, where are all the rock stars? They are those who are helping to push back the line of tyranny and ignorance. They are people like Antonia and Charlie. The rock stars are people like you who instill in your children and your children's children the lessons of history, the messy, uncomfortable, and painful lessons of our history so that they will not have to repeat those lessons in their lifetime. So keep prying the chains off your own thinking and I promise that I will do the same as we fight every day to remind ourselves and our future generations that we don't need no thought control. Dan? Cheryl, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? How did I know that was coming? How did I know that? I've never heard that song before. Oh, yeah, whatever. Mr. I can name that tune in 
less than less than one note. Yeah, but I can't remember your name, or I this can't remember other stuff. And it's it's frustrating because yeah, I know that, but I don't know. On the drive down here today, she goes, "I don't think that's how it goes." I said, "I, said, I know that's how it goes." You dare? And so to she doubt looked me. it up, and she looked it up, and it was word for word. She goes, "Oh." I thought they said, how can you eat your pudding if you don't eat your pudding? I am not. I said, <laughs> I am eat? not cool enough. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting the looks of incredulity I am so glad here. she doesn't write songs. <laughs> how can you eat your pudding if you don't eat your pudding? Out. I've just been expelled from the studio. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Pink Floyd, we're sorry for that. But yes. uh, we'll teach her, okay? Hey, we got a great lineup today. We have Maj Touré. He's a founder of Black Guns Matter. He's going to catch up with us all the things he's been doing the last few months and what he's got on his books for the rest of 2018. I'm excited to talk to him today. Always. We have Stephen Hallbrook, an attorney with excessive knowledge and the historical underpinnings of the Second Amendment and practical knowledge of litigating in his rapidly evolving area of law. And he is here. I'm sorry. He is heavily involved in both the Heller and McDonald court cases. He is also the author of several books, and his writings include topics such as gun control in the Third Reich and the Founders' Second Amendment, a newly released book, Gun Control in Nazi-Occupied France. Mm-hmm. That's going to be exciting. I am excited about that. Our second hour, we have Matt Best, the vice president of Black Rifle Coffee. Matt joined the Army at the age of 17 and deployed five times to Iraq and Afghanistan with 2nd Ranger Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. After leaving military service, Matt deployed to a variety of areas overseas as a, black, as a contractor over the course of five years with the CIA. He is here to talk about the mission of Black Rifle Coffee Company. We also have Patrick Rothwell. He's a manager, director of government relations, uh, federal affairs for NSSF. We also have Tiffany Derby Dillon. Is a, she's a director of for 5.11 Tactical, as well as amateur shooter, amateur hunter, and believes in farm to table and is the lover of the Constitution of the United States of America. That's 5.11 Tactical. So five now 11. I get to expel you from the studio, I sir. See a, I see a 5 and a point one one. <laughs> It's 5.11 Tactical. That's okay. We will also have our responsibly armed citizen report and maybe Dan's commentary um, about Cheryl and her lack of music knowledge <laughs> don't don't start we get to go on vacation soon so let's uh, let's get into that vacation mode it's just another brick Cheryl just another brick in the wall dude just another brick in the wall all right <laughs> stick around we got a great show And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf. Hi folks, I'm Don Kaiser. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop. 
you should make it yours, too. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited to bring on our first guest today. We just love Maj Ture. He has grown to be such a, a great friend of ours. And what a perfect show to bring him on the theme now he's gonna bust up laughing and fall off his chair because i am not cool enough to say this lyric but here we go the theme of the show is we don't need no thought control the least cool (laughs) stop laughing i hear you i hear you laughing maj welcome to the show hey what's up cheryl how are you so good. And of course, Maj Trey is the founder of Black Guns Matter. And you have just been, I mean, you're always a busy dude, but I feel like you have kicked it up 10 notches in the last, I don't know, six months or so. So you've got yeah, a lot I, to catch up, uh, catch us up on. Yeah, I, I so I took a bit of an internet hiatus to get the, the next phase of things going, but we've been all over the place. We did a month in Chicago. Uh, we've been in New Orleans, uh, you know, we all hung out down in South Carolina. Right now I'm in Harlem. Uh, I was in, uh, I don't know, somewhere a couple of days ago. I can't <laughs> really <laughs> No, it gets like remember. that. <laughs> right. But, um, but it's been wonderful. Um, just be, you know, kind of like reigniting the fire and refocusing around the concept that, you know, I am, you know, we're focusing on education, we're focusing on conflict resolution and just, you know, just, just, just reigniting and staying focused. But it's been wonderful. I mean, it, it's, it's work, but it's kind of not like work at certain points mm-hmm. because it's something that you enjoy to, you know, enjoy doing, mm-hmm. meeting people, sharing information, linking people up. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare complain. They get rough from time to time, but we don't give up. We, you know, we, we just get a little tired, take a knee, rest mm-hmm. up, and move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Fuel up with a little bit more coffee, right? And you probably need to eat a little bit too, Marge. You know, just a little bit, okay? Just, just a touch. Just yeah. eat a little bit. Like, I'm, yo, y'all, y'all laughing, right? I'm literally in Harlem at the Red Rooster right now, eating right in front of me a shrimp and grits, cold soup, chicken wings, and like uh, some sort of rice. Oh my gosh! Literally. But, are, but right are you are you actually eating? Setting it in front of you is not. Uh, count as eating. <laughs> no, well, Dan, I'm telling you, I'm eating the food. Okay, all right, okay, all right. He's not supposed to talk with his mouth full, Dan. He's trying to be polite, okay? Look, uh, look, I'm, look I'm, I'm, I'm staring at it now because I'm like, these people are weirded <laughs> out. They're like, is he talking to his plate? Like, what? <laughs> oh, man. You having some small talk with some shrimp? There you go. Right. Yeah, leave right. it to Dan. <laughs> Shrimp talk. Shrimp talk. Okay, so I want to bring up that you and I, Maj, were so fortunate that we were able to speak. I mean, I have to pinch myself about this. We were asked to speak on the steps of the Supreme Court building of the United States of America to help celebrate the 10th anniversary of the landmark Supreme Court case, Heller versus D.C. Like, you're cool enough that that makes sense. I keep pinching myself that I was asked to do that. No, listen to me. Y'all are cool enough that that makes sense. I'm in my head like, really? <laughs> they know what I'm doing? <laughs> but awesome. It, it was an amazing situation. First, Cheryl, I want to give you propers for having so much class and dealing with a lot of those young people that didn't really understand what was going on. Thank you. Um, you know, if the people that don't know, you know, they, they guys, you know, a lot of young people were there. They were protesting, but they didn't understand that we actually aren't on different sides. Right. And so they, you know, they shouted and things of that nature. Dan turned around and punched somebody in the head. No. Threw him in the middle of the street. <laughs> Trust me, in his mind, he probably was. Oh, but he man. Was, he was very, you both were very well behaved. So was, you were speaker and part-time security guard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I just, you know, Cheryl, you know, the grace that you, you know, exerted there. I just got to give you your props for that. But, you know, Thank and outside you. of that, it just, it, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing event. You know, when, when I met, you know, Dick Heller at the, in Atlanta for the uh, NRA annual meeting, I mean, Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, for the NRA annual meeting, 
And I was just amazed that he knew who I was and then reached out and said, hey, I want you to come do the same thing as you. I, you know, these are people that we run into because we have our, you know, our regular lives, our regular family. But these are like Second Amendment superstars. Mm-hmm. And when they're like, oh, man, hey, I want you to come do that. It's, it's something that you, you, you're, you're appreciative, obviously, but you're still taken aback because you're like, oh, wow. And yeah, it absolutely was amazing. It was. And then what I so appreciated about the way that you uh, spoke, because you're always so passionate and you're always so powerful and your, your message and you just speak extemporaneously. And I've got, you know, mine is scripted out and it's, you know, very uh, nailed down. You just speak from your heart and it, it just flows and it, it's so impactful. So I loved that. But then after you spoke, you went and you you touched individual people like you engaged them in conversation because really that is where we are going to make the impact that is how we're going to touch hearts and minds is when we engage in a one-on-one fashion or in a small group fashion and that is that is where you have been so um, effective and so impactful since you started this journey I mean, what is it? Has it even, it hasn't even been two years, has it? No, it hasn't been two years. The funny thing is, and it, it depends on, you know, what day of the week you ask me. So, for example, <laughs> if, if I'm getting grilled mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, man, this has been 20 years. Yes. But that's like very rarely. But, when, you know, again, when you're doing so many, I'm a people person. I mm-hmm. love people, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like you said, when, when you interact with people and you see I go to anti-gun rally, mm-hmm. you know, and I go, oh, these people, they're, they're missing a lot of information. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's, it's from the thought process of, okay, I'm here. You're here. Neither one of us is saying, yeah, more death. Death is cool. Right. Nobody's saying that. Right. We disagree with how we're, you know, we're disagreeing with how we're getting to certain points. Our job is to make sure that we're showing them how to uh, make the, our communities from whatever racial background, whatever socioeconomic background. Our job is to make show them how to make those communities safe while preserving individual and collective freedom. Mm-hmm. I think what happens a lot of times is a lot of those people, they're so upset because ignorance is, a, is rampant and it's around. Mm-hmm. And they're like, something has to be done. But they're missing key components about firearm safety, about firearm education, just very basic things. So when you have those one-on-ones, and sometimes it could look like it's a passionate argument, but a lot of times it's just a debate. And you, and you, you, know, you come to consensus because, again, you lead with the thought process that we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. We're American citizens that do not want other American citizens to die unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Death comes to us all, no doubt, but we, we're not trying to speed that process up. If we can slow that up, then that's great. Mm-hmm. So when you do it that way and you share information and say, hey, I know that you're saying these things, oh, semi-automatic rifles need to be banned. Well, do you understand that that's all most most of guns? No, I didn't yes. know that. Okay, well, cool. Are you saying that police officers shouldn't have them either? No, I'm not saying that. But okay, cool. So that conversation, when you do it from a space of it's love, it's very spiritual, mm-hmm. it's understanding, it's respect for that individual, and an understanding that somebody put something in their head and their heart that they were not aware of. Mm-hmm. They're missing the information. You have the information share the information, bridges are, you know, uh, crossed as opposed to being burned. That's so true. And so, again, keeping with the theme of, you know, pushing back on thought control, that's something that you really uh, work with in the, the communities that you're going into because, you know, there's there's not only, you know, sort of this, you know, this is what you're supposed to think, And generationally, this is the way you're supposed to vote and, you know, all these kinds of things. So you're not only unchaining people from this this way that they've been programmed, uh, but you're also I don't think this is a real word, but I'm going to make it up. You're unignorantizing people. You know, I'm tweeting that. That's that's new. I I promise you that's going to be a new new hashtag. I love it. It's yours. Yeah, unignorantizing people. Yes, that, that's that's true of what's happening. The thing is, uh, yes, and uh, I would add to it. The reality is, they're unignorantizing themselves, being presented with new information uh, from a source that they don't initially distrust. Mm-hmm. The beauty of you know the work that we're doing is 
we from the community, we in the community, we, we, we know the we know we know the language, we know the energy, we know the vibe. And we're presenting new information and new language that is allowing, you know, urban America for the most part, again, regardless of your racial background. If you're not rich and if you're from the hood, regardless of your skin tone or complexion, you probably have been hit with a certain, you know, uh, uh, conditioning. With that being the case, because we're from that same space and there's we're not running up against uh, a certain level of initial defense, what happens there is we're allowed to present the information to people and then they can unignorantize themselves. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't, you know, make him drink. You can give a dummy a book, but you can't make him think, mm. you know, and it's the very same thing. There's a lot of ignorance and misinformation. And because we aren't triggering their defense mechanisms initially, you know, and then plugging them with people that generally may have, you know, triggered their defense mechanisms. Once that form of trust and understanding is there, they're applying the information you cannot re-plug back into that matrix with that type of person. Amen. You cannot. And it's, it's, it's been wonderful to see. Amen. I mean, and, you know, just to follow your uh, Instagram feed and to, to see the comments that people make, when I first started following you a little over a year ago, there was so, so much hate and so much ignorance and so much nonsense that people would throw at you. And it was race-based commentary and all that kind of thing. And I've seen that shift and change. And so you have either unignoratized a, a whole bunch of people, which I believe you have. But I think you've also been very good at um, just kind of like, you know, People know that they're not going to bait you. You're not going to take the bait and get all triggered and, and get all emotional and, and let them steal the conversation. Absolutely. It, it, emotions are energy in motion. Mm-hmm. It's just energy moving a certain way. You know, and when you're in your car going really, really fast to try to shift, oh, I'm going too fast. It's like, for example, when I, when I, drive, when I used to drive, I try not to drive now as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But when I'm driving, and then let's say if I'm doing a five or ten miles over the speed limit, I know I'm being safe, but 55, I'm used to driving 65. 55 is a little slow. I might be doing 65. If I see that state trooper up there, if you slam on the brakes, you're definitely going to get pulled over. Because you're mm-hmm. going to go, not only are you going <laughs> to slow up real fast, but you're also going to make noise. You're going to alert the police officer that might have been in the squad car, not even paying attention to you. The smartest thing to do there is to just let off of the gas. Just let off the gas. Mm-hmm. When when no, when you run into those people in those situations, their energy is in motion. Mm-hmm. For me to hit them with a harsh brick wall initially is getting them moving at 70, 80, 90 miles per hour. That energy is in motion and putting them up against the brick wall of facts. Mm-hmm. You're helping them emotionally crash. That doesn't really help you or them. What wow. you do is you get in the car with them. You move at light speed. You hop in the car with them. And you just help them take their feet off the, off the gas. That's it. And we'll slow up together. That, that slowing up is letting them understand that this isn't a sprint. This isn't, this isn't a drag race. This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon. And we're in this car together. We're in this car together. We're in the same country. We, we've been hit with different levels of ignorance, different levels of misinformation. And, and when you start finding out about those things, white guys, black guys, Asian guys, white women, black women, it doesn't matter. You start finding out about those things where you've been miseducated and misinformed. Your energy moves very fast in a very quick motion. Our job is to, you know, turn that turn that speed into consistency. The best part or capability of doing that is I don't want to be outside speeding next to you. I got to get in the car with you. Mm. And because you see, I have a vested interest because I'm in the car with you. Mm. If you crash, we both die. Mm-hmm. And if you care about humans at all in any way, shape, or form, even if you don't, you're a little frustrated with yourself right now and think, hey, do you want to kill me too? No, I don't want to kill you too. Okay, well, let's take your feet off the emotional gas. Let's slow down. Let's get to our destination. Destination's freedom. Mm. We, got, we got plenty of time. Amen. We're in this car together. We can talk about these things. Okay, you went, you, you drove through one state. There's 50 some odd state territories left. We can see all of this together. Mm-hmm. Just let off the gas. You know what I mean? I and, love it. And, and that's when we'll make some progress. 
I love it. All right. Well, we're going to run to commercial, and you get a chance to take a bite or two of food. So Dan will feel better that you're getting healthy, that you're you're <laughs> getting your Wheaties in. And uh, we're going to come back in about two minutes and pick this conversation up. Maj Ture of Black Guns Matter. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And this show is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all of the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. All right, we are going to pick our conversation back up with Maj Ture of Black Guns Matter. And uh, you get a bite to eat, take a quick drink of some tea or something. Maj, you ready to roll? Tea? I have some sangria. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. Uh, I, I, like I said, I will be right there. So um, that sounds amazing. So we were talking about um, our theme, of course, is we don't need no thought control. I've stolen it from Pete yeah. Floyd, the wall. Um, but right. it's so it's so fitting for right now what's happening in a, a time in history when we have a generation and a half or maybe two of people that have come through uh, educational systems where we're not taught civics anymore, we're not really taught American history, everything's become very politicized. And so then when we have this group of rights restrictors out there who are screaming and yelling, trying to uh, take our Second Amendment rights or chip away at our Second Amendment rights, we don't hear it and see it for what it is, and that is that they want us to ask their permission for our rights. They want a permission-based system. And people like you and I, the way that we're built and we know our history, we're saying, oh, no, 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 I don't need to ask your permission. Yeah, that car will crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hitting the, we hitting the brake on that. Yeah. Stop. I, I think what happens a lot of times is, like you said, Cheryl, so many people are so removed from that history and that understanding, you know, and even when you tie it back into people of color, we've been told, oh, that history, you know, uh, has nothing to do with you right. because of the ugly parts of our history. Right. Which what they are ugly, ugly parts. parts. Of, yeah. Right. And going, hey, there's some ugly parts, but this is where I live right now. 
there's there's a there's a uh, attempt to make sure that people don't feel attached to this particular thing, you know. And if you don't feel attached to it, whatever we do to it is okay because mm-hmm. you you don't you don't feel like you you know you're involved with it. But it's it's absolutely what it is. And I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, it's easy to hear, you know, forty, fifty, you know, sixty year old white guy saying. They're taking our guns. They're trying to take our guns, and they've done an effective job on the PR side to make people, those guys, look like they're crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm here to say those people are not crazy. Mm-hmm. The other side just does it, you know, like you said, they're, they're getting you to agree to permission uh, by attrition, mm. slow moves, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. You know, it's like if you if you have a drop of water, if you have a drop of water, it can erode a rock mm. over time. You know, and that's that's what it is. We we got to have uh, better recollection of history. Mm-hmm. We have to keep, a, you know, strengthen our memory, mm-hmm. and we have to make sure that certain things are, are are non-negotiable. Some things are non-starters, you know. And and I think there's a respectful, uh, uh, pop culture friendly way of doing that. That I think for a very long time the Second Amendment community has not engaged in uh, to make it more normalized because it is normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I said on an interview not long ago that. There was a time where, you know, all of America was constitutional carry. Yes. This, this happened. None of us, for the most part, you know, are old enough to remember that time. But there was a time. And every time that there's been incremental infringement on that constitutional carry of America, mm-hmm. one, it's always been race-based. Mm. Two, it's always been to further, you know, circle the wagons around our freedom. Even if something is, I mean, you, if you want to take it, you know, you guys know my, my philosophy is all gun control is racist. Yes. But if you want to take it outside of black people, if you want to talk about the Gun Control Act, that, that was under the guise of making, oh, all Italians are gangsters and the mafia in Chicago right after the, you know, the uh, uh, St. Valentine's Day mm-hmm. massacre. And that's how they pushed that, you know. And at the time, you know, uh, Italian immigrants to this nation, Irish immigrants to this nation, were also looked at as subservient citizens, mm-hmm. second-class citizens and things of that nature. So every time that there's been an infringement, it's been based in, you know, some sort of race, mm-hmm. some sort of racism, you mm-hmm. know. And I think when, when we step back and look at the whole elephant, as opposed to being close up to the elephant, we see that bigger picture and we see how they'll use different racial groups at different times to push for further, you know, restrictions on our human and natural right to defend our lives. And that's how we got to expose that contradiction to the maximum degree. Well, and that is what you are so brilliant at. uh, And with your Black Guns Matter movement is what it feels like. It's not just an organization. I mean, it's it's a movement. You are going into communities. You are engaging people one on one in small groups. You have classes. And one of the things that you do that is so needed, there are so I don't know if anybody else is doing it, but conflict resolution, teaching people, we all get heated. We all get emotional. We all get mad about this, that, or whatever. But what do we do with that? How do we move towards conflict resolution? And I just have to say that I saw a headline recently that, first let me preface this, you've just spent a ton of time in Chicago, Illinois. Now, Chicago, Illinois is known for what? gun violence, right? It's known for uh, many, many murders uh, like every week, every weekend. And over the 4th of July weekend in Chicago, after, by the way, you just spent a ton of time there working with people in communities, these small groups and communities, the headline was, I think there was zero shootings in Chicago over the 4th of July weekend. Yep. There was no fatalities over the 4th of July weekend, and that has not happened for three years. Now, on one level, you go, so that's how it's supposed to be. But Chicago has an extreme disease of uh, human rights violations in the form of gun control. Mm-hmm. And so when you have extreme diseases, the, the rehabilitation is slow, mm-hmm. uh, as well as you need an extreme treatment. So that's why we wanted to focus there for, you know, a month and some change. But yeah, that, that headline is correct. For the first time since 2015, there were no fatalities in Chicago over the 4th of July weekend. So did and the mayor did the mayor uh, announce that gun control is finally working? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, uh, let me yeah, tell you yeah, what he said, right? man. <laughs> he, says, uh, he says, oh, it was due to the increased police presence. 
And yeah. in my mind, I'm like, there is right. no, there is no police presence in, in Inglewood. Right. There is no police presence on the South Side for the most part. The police presence was increased in places like the North Side and, and downtown Chicago, in the Loop, and places like that. It was not where we are. And the police presence was not increased uh, at nighttime, dark time, where most of those shootings and homicides happened. You know, you were you know? slowly, you were slowly teaching people to learn to defend and protect themselves and that will change that whole routine about shootings every day in Chicago if people would Absolutely. learn to defend themselves that would stop eventually it would stop yep because then you have let's say if it's the same thousand dudes doing the shootings like throughout the whole city they got some bail money they get out of jail they do another shooting okay if that's the case if, if, and let's say 700 of those guys are cowards and they're shooting each other and or people that they know will not return fire. Mm -hmm. Those people, when the majority or the culture changes, then you'll have spaces where, nah, we can't do that over there. Mm -hmm. For the same exact reason, there's never a mass shooting in a, a, police, a police station. Nah, my grandmother used to say all of the time, you can tell, like those guys that say, oh, they're crazy. Those are crazy, you know, homeless people. My grandmother used to say, they're not crazy. And I'll be like, Nana, how are they not crazy? And she would be like, watch. See, when that light turns red, they stop walking in the street. If mm. you're crazy, you're not thinking about a red light. You're mm -hmm. just going to walk in the street like it's a green light. Mm -hmm. And that resonates. Those people aren't crazy. They just know they pick an easy target to shoot and fish in a barrel. Right. So when you're talking about culture and paradigm shift, that's what our organization and our movement is about. We are changing the mentality of people. So when people say, well, how many members... Are part of your organization. I don't know. Right. I don't care. You're not a member-based movement or member-based no, organization. Is, yes. And when you snap, when you start doing it by members and things of that nature, you know, you, you some people don't want to be on a list. Right. They don't want to showcase that they're on this list. No, they just want to go. We want to be safe, responsible, uh, good citizens, and parts of the country that have traditionally been left out of the two-way two conversation. Amen. And when you change those minds. That is the most resilient idea or, or thought or, or impact, an idea. Yeah. You cannot put an idea back in the box. Right. It will consistently grow. And doing it that way, we're a positivity virus that's based on that freedom. And then you get that paradigm shift, mm -hmm. the culture shift changes, then you start to see the numbers and the statistics follow that. So in, 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 in essence, okay, we're, we're in Chicago for a month and a half. At least even if over the weekend, I don't care. The reality is not one person was murdered over that holiday weekend. But someone who that would have been their father, their daughter, their son, their cousin, mm. for that person, that makes a world of difference. It's and that everything. comes from that culture and paradigm. I love it. Hey, we've got to run, and you can get back to your lunch. But uh, just before we do... Black Guns Matter, you are a, a donation-based movement, a donation-based organization. And, uh, you know, you, you run on that fuel, and you're doing this good work on that fuel. And it's, I mean, sometimes it's five bucks. Sometimes it's 5,000. You've had some incredible donators um, and so and donations. So just as we go out, tell folks how they can reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing, and, and help with a, a few extra dollars. Absolutely. Anybody that, you know, is moved in any way, shape or form today by, you know, the stuff that we're talking about, please, you know, again, like Cheryl said, if it's five bucks, five thousand, shouts to Pete Brownell, shouts to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their $10,000 donation. Yes. Shouts to you, Cheryl and Danny, for your consistent and positive support. Shouts to Hot of Gold Auctions. Shouts to AZFirearms.com, you know, um, but, you know, because you guys have made those donations and supported in, me in ways that no one else has, period. I don't care if it's just mentoring, and that needs to be said. Uh, but anybody that wants to support monetarily, especially you rich guys and women that are listening, <laughs> um, our, our, our donation, you can make donations at gofundme.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. We give shout-outs to every single person, to every single donation, and um, that's how we keep the work moving. And thank you all, you know, you guys that are, and women that have already donated, to the recurring donors, as well as, you know, uh, beginning donors. Thank you so much. Tremendously. It's, it's wonderful work you're doing. It's legacy work. It's, it's going to change the dynamics of our children and our children's children. And uh, it's, it's incredible. It's priceless. So, Maj, thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, y'all. I'll see y'all in a bit. All right, Danny. 
All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mosh Trey, Black Guns Matter. Awesome. All right, stick around. We still have author Stephen Halbrook on the other side of these messages. He just wrote a new book called Gun Control in Nazi-Occupied France. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf. Org. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, if you've missed any portion of today's show, please go and check out the entire thing at our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and you can binge listen to your heart's content all 118 other episodes that we have there. And if you want to put faces with voices, click the Guest tab. You'll find a guest page with pictures and bio and links to uh, the works that people do that we have in- interviewed on this show. Spend some time there. It's a, it's a wonderful resource, and uh, we, we don't hate it when you spend some time there. So, all right. Our next guest is Stephen Halbrook. He's an attorney with extensive knowledge of the historical underpinnings of the Second Amendment and practical knowledge of litigating in this rapidly evolving area of law. And he was heavily involved in both the Heller and McDonald court cases. He is the author of several books, and his writings include such topics as Gun Control in the Third Reich, The Founders' Second Amendment, and the newly released book Gun Control in Nazi-Occupied France. We are excited to have you on. Stephen, are you with us? I'm with you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And this is such an important topic, because if we don't know our history, what? We are destined for somebody somewhere to have to repeat it. And uh, it's so important that we have people that research it and keep bringing it freshly in front of our eyes like you have. And I just really appreciate the works that you do. Well, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it does frequently, and you have to really be careful what you wish for. Mm. And uh, that kind of takes me to my first topic, because a lot of people wish for this thing called the universal background check. And uh, that might be one of those that we need to be careful about, um, because those require gun registration in order to be effective. Are there historical lessons to be learned on that issue that maybe we'd find in your newest book? Well, yes. The the book, um, Gun Control in Nazi-Occupied France, was a perfect storm for gun registration and gun control. 
um, there was violence in the streets and there was some crime. And so in 1935, the French government decided we'll decree gun registration and uh, and we'll also infringe on what we would call First Amendment rights to assemble, things like that. I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> uh, five years later, the German Wehrmacht, the German Armed Forces, defeat France. Everywhere they went, they put up posters saying that if you don't tune in your guns within 24 hours, we'll execute you. Oh, my gosh. And, by the way, I didn't make that up. That You can go to the Museum of the French Resistance in Paris, and you'll see one of those posters. Oh, my gosh. And then France, when they surrendered, they said, well, we'll, we'll administer the policies of the German army. And the French police had the registration records. How could it get any better? Right. They got a death penalty for gun possession if you don't turn it in in 24 hours. They had the registration records. And and incredibly, uh, a lot of people still didn't turn them in. I mean, some people had not registered them in the first place back in 1935. Uh, th- those turned out to be the smart people. Right, so, and well, probably the core of the resistance, right? Th- that's right. And so you have different things happening. You have some people turning them in, other people hiding them. Some of them get arrested and get get executed. They, they would publish the names in the newspapers um, as a way to try to scare other people. Mm. And then some people were able to use their guns to begin the resistance, although it was difficult because the government had banned what they call called military-style rifles before the war. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had some pretty puny calibers there, but at least they could get started with some activities like um, spreading anti-German propaganda and, and spying for the Allies and committing acts of sabotage. Uh, and it was only later, toward the end of the war, after, when D-Day came, that they could involve themselves in open resistance where they confronted German forces. Um, but, I mean, the, there was an element of, of armed citizens in that society. They weren't going to give up their guns, and they used them p- to protect themselves. So, Stephen, this w- hi, welcome to the show. This is Dan. So that harmless little gun registration ended up killing a lot of people. That's right, and one incredible fact about this is that the Prime Minister of France in 1935 who decreed gun registration was named Pierre Laval, and after the Nazis came, he was the chief collaborator with the Nazis. Oh my he was the one who facilitated their occupation and the way they exported French resources and, and humans uh, to send them to, to do labor in Germany and um, a lot of the young men who were conscripted for that labor service, they went to the mountains instead and fought back. Mm. But um, Laval became the most hated person in French history, and they tried him after the war and executed him for his treason to the country. Wow. And so th- that's just amazing to me. Now, so when they did this gun registration, they had no idea that Germany was going to invade them at the time, right? No. Um Anytime, though, a government wants to register guns, it means they don't trust the people. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my previous book, Gun Control of the Third Reich, showed how that Germany itself decreed registration before the Nazis came to power, and then the Nazis were able to use those registration records against their own people who they wanted to disarm, like, like the political opponents and the Jews. So, uh, you know, we have registration in some places in the U.S., and what could go wrong? We don't yeah. have a tyranny, and we don't have an invasion, but... But we have a second amendment for purposes of what if these different things could happen. So, And we have uh, historical evidence that those things do happen. So it, ju- it boggles mm. my mind that people are just so ready to say, oh, it's just common sense gun right. control. Yeah. It just, you know, don't we all agree? You know, no, we don't all agree because some of us know our history. And didn't like in Germany in 1933 or 34 enact that gun control act and then in 1968 didn't we kind of copy that for our our gun control well there there were similarities but what's fascinating is that there were proposals believe it or not to actually register all guns in the u.s and they debated what had happened in nazi germany and the occupied countries and the the supporters of registration acted like none of that ever happened Mm. And the, the the opponents, of course, brought up the issue. In fact, that's what sparked my interest. I was just a college kid then, but I was an NRA member, and I read about that. And uh, 
in later years, I decided well, I'm going to go to the archives and see what really happened, and what really happened didn't really happen. I mean, you can't be in denial about, about right. these things. And, um, and and by the way, speaking of common sense, all that, uh, I should have named this book on France, Common Sense Gun Safety Measures in hmm. Nazi Occupied France. Amen, right? I mean, they, what, they did it for their own good, right? Yeah, for the children, right? And so much of what you have just said could be headlines we're reading right now today. It echoes so clearly the way that other people were just, oh, we just trust our government, and, you know, it is for the greater good, and, oh, it does sound like common sensey kind of stuff. And then it, I mean, literally, I think since it happened generations ago, it just washes over people. But if you stop and think about that someone had to make the decision sitting at their dinner table with their maybe their pistol, their little twenty-two pistol in front of them, and mom and dad are trying to decide, what do we do? Do we turn it in, or do we risk that they're not really going to execute, kill us, make our children uh, orphans? They had to have these conversations and live through whatever they decided. It's It sends shudders through me, and it washes over other people, and I just think that's unfortunate. And Stephen, I also want to say, you know, if there wouldn't have been no gun registration, and uh, the Nazis invaded France, it may have been a completely different picture if the people could have defended themselves with their own guns. Well, there, there, there were some who didn't register them. They, they disobeyed the requirement. They buried them or they hid them in different places. Um, and some of them were caught, some of them were not. And the, those were the ones who were the heroes in that society. There came a time when they, they kept having these registration drives and they would have amnesties every now and then because the uh, they, the Germans thought the French weren't being com- compliant. And But then the SS uh, had determined that, well, this I'm not going to decree any more amnesties. They didn't turn hardly any in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what's incredible is that people would defy even the death penalty. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're even going to take their chances of being executed. And so many people were defiant that finally, uh, and also they were they were not being compliant in other ways with German policies. Finally, the Germans instituted a, what they called a night and fog decree, where they no longer published your name in the newspaper if they shot you for, for being anti-German activity or gun possession. Oh, wow. Uh, they just, you just disappeared, and that way nobody would know what happened to you. Wow. Uh, you might have been executed. You might have been sent to Germany to a concentration camp or a work camp. Right. But, um, but, but even, you know, no matter what they did, there were some, some French persons who would not comply. And by the way, they did that in every country they occupied. Exactly. Hey, we are already out of time, but we have so much more that we want to talk with you about. We're, we're going to have to ask you back on, and I hope you will come because this is so important. Uh, but Stephen Halbrook, as we go out, will you please tell folks how they can uh, learn more about our history uh, from a reliable source and and buy your books? Well, uh, my website has the information s t e p h e n h a l b r o o k dot com Stephen dot com. You can get the books off of Amazon or any other bookseller that you wish. Uh, they're widely available. Gun Control in Nazi Occupied France is the latest book. Uh, but I encourage your, your uh, listeners to, to look at the website and see what else is available. Absolutely. And we're going to have you back on soon because this is, like I said, it the what you're talking about happened in 1935 in France with the Nazis. It, it could be today's, it's just echoing what's happening today. It could be our headlines. So thank you again so much. We will definitely be talking to you soon. Stephen Halbrook. Bye-bye. Glad to be on the show. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around. We still have an entire second hour just after these messages. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, 
Let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 